Welcome to this episode of CEO Perspectives, a signature series by the Conference Board. CEO Perspectives are conversations that take an objective, nonpartisan look at a range of timely topics that matter most to business leaders. I'm Steve Odlin from the Conference Board and the host of this series, and in today's conversation, we're going to discuss a topic that has been quickly evolving, making headlines in the process, artificial intelligence, or AI. What is it? How can it be used effectively? What should businesses be considering when using it? You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. Joining me today is Rob Green, the Chief Information Officer at the Conference Board. Rob, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Steve. Glad to be here. So, Rob, you've been working with AI for years. You've been doing working on it for yourself, um, for our, the business. It, we, you know, we, and we have a range of listeners from experts who have been using this for a long time and very deeply to people who are just learning how to spell AI. So right. it's a broad range. But we're going to start with uh, 101 and, and, and we'll, we'll get a little more advanced as we go. So just what is AI? What is artificial intelligence? So right, it's the big buzzword right now and everyone's using it. Um, but quite simply, AI just uh, is the ability of machines or computers to perform tasks that typically require human-like intelligence. These systems can perform a wide range of functions, including image and speech recognition, decision-making, problem-solving, and natural language processing. Um, AI can be classified into several categories, such as rule-based systems, which are the, the beginning ones, the easy ones, uh, then to machine learning, and now deep learning. I'll start with rule-based systems. Rule-based systems um, involve explicitly programming a computer to follow a set of rules to reach a particular outcome. These would be like programming your car to flash the turn signal, things like that. Very simple. doesn't really learn anything. The next would be uh, machine learning, which involves training an, an artificial intelligence system with a large amount of data to enable it to recognize patterns and make predictions and decisions. And then lastly is deep learning, which is a type of machine learning that uses neural networks to analyze and learn from large data sets. Yeah. So this is, I mean, that's a real broad range. And it, I, I, you know, every time I listen to what it is and I try to think through what it is, it doesn't sound artificial or intelligent. I mean, so it, it's almost, it, it's almost worded wrong or labeled wrong because this, it's just the evolution of, you know, programming, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and this is, I think this is the big point that we're looking at now is everyone's using this buzzword of artificial intelligence, but it's simply a computer following a set of instructions. And this is not new. And people think that this just popped up overnight. It really did not. This, this got its start back in the 1950s and 60s uh, when companies were starting to um, develop code based on rule-based uh, logic, which basically involved programming a machine to follow a set of instructions sequentially. Um, the first early uh, uses of these were checker and chess games, huh. uh, which okay. the computer, because you can put in so many different algorithms into it, it could determine what the next step or next move would be. And that was kind of the first real world example of it. As we move into the 70s and 80s, AI research shifted to focus on knowledge-based systems and expert systems which attempted to mimic human decision-making by incorporating very large amounts of domain-specific uh, knowledge. These were some of the first robotic experiment, experiments that were implemented. Uh, 
Okay, but but so you're using you 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 have some buzzwords in there. Even I think most people know what they are. But but basically, what you're saying is, all of, it was programmed, right? People wrote literally wrote lines of code. I think much you know most of us did this in school, you know, to some extent or another. But it followed some sort of logic, and, and so the evolution of it is when the code then told the computer or allowed the computer to quote unquote learn or essentially recognize patterns, right? That's what learning is, is the recognition of, of patterns. Exactly, it's, it's basically following a set of instructions. It, it really is not making any new thoughts. It's simply going down line by line and saying, if this happens, then do that. This is a really important point because people, you know, they, they think about it as, you know, these computers are, are gonna become human beings and take over the world. Well, maybe that'll happen, but that's not what this right. is. I mean, this this is simply, um, you know, directed and still programmed learning. Right. Exactly. It's 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 nothing that complicated yet. I mean, we're on the the cusp of potentially getting more involved here, but we'll get into that a bit later. Yeah. Uh, but yes, exactly. Okay. So you know, there is this goes from really simple stuff to really complicated. Let's go backwards. Then we'll, you know, and then we'll peel back the onion a little bit. So the real complicated stuff is using, you know, crazy supercomputers. It's for, you know, defense and intelligence purposes, facial recognition. You know, the satellites are picking up all this stuff. We're not going to get into all of that. But that, and then there's the, you know, the gene um, therapies and and med tech and and all of that. So that that's pretty sophisticated stuff. And and then it comes all the way down to you know, essentially a search engine, you know, right. Google, Bing, um, DuckDuckGo. The, these, they, this is a form of artificial intelligence just with search engines. Absolutely. There, there is a huge spectrum of what is artificial intelligence, what we're calling artificial intelligence. Everyone is familiar with Google and Bing, and these are basically big computers that run algorithms, and they're very fast, and they're able to index large amounts of data and return functions. So that's that's considered AI. We also use the example of self-driving cars and uh, self-driving trains are now starting to come into existence. And these are nothing more than procedural pieces of code that are executed based upon a rule. Right, the car is not thinking. Exactly, not Like a all. human being, it's, re it's react, it's, it's measuring things from sensors and mm -hmm. optics that then you know, it, it sort of comes back to the code and it says, okay, what do I do if this? And it's fast, hopefully. <laughs> right. right, that's just it. It's, it's, so, it's a good point you make. It's, it's not thinking and not able to actually add many things to its code base. It basically just follows the existing code that was written for it. So for example, if you're coming to an intersection and there's nothing programmed to look to the left side of the car for an oncoming car, it will simply drive straight through it. It does not have any intelligence beyond that. Well, and this and this was part of the problem with with some of the early autonomous driving. You know, because people are going, "Oh, my car's thinking. I can go to sleep here and do something." But then the, all of a sudden, the lines disappear on the side of the road or the lane markers, and and the car doesn't know what to do. Exactly, and this is getting better. So cars are becoming more autonomous. However, because it's the really, programming is getting the, better. Exactly, the yeah. program is getting more. There's yeah. more data. Yeah, and now that we're able to track locations of things, we can look at traffic patterns. We can look at 
using cameras, we can look at the lights. It's just more data that's being able to be digested to make better decisions. It's still not learning anything. Well, it's really. not thinking. It's not, not thinking. Cre- yeah. Now, there's a vision here that someday, you know, this will evolve to the point where there is truly a- autonomous thought, but that's not what we're talking about. No, not not yet. Uh, I mean, that is, that is the goal. And um, as you talked before about more advanced machines that are that are involved in medical and things along those lines yes we are they are trying to make it where the machine actually learns and makes decisions going forward where it becomes what they say is conscious this does not yet exist but that means it's essentially writing its own code yes. and adding its own code based on things you know based on the the stimulus that is being tracked by these programs you always have exactly. to bring it back because we have this you know, we're trained with, uh, you know, whatever it is, Star Trek or, you yeah. know, you know, uh, Lost in Space where these robots were running around acting as human beings. That That's not where we're at nope. at this point. Yeah. Nope. So the simplest form is, is, is some of these advanced search engines, ChatGPT and, you know, Bing and so forth. So talk to us about that. So, yeah. So ChatGPT is, is, is the real buzz right now. So let's break it down as to what you do when you go to do a search. You go to a web page and I want to explore the idea of what is a widget. And I'll type that into Google or Bing and it comes back with a whole list, maybe a thousand um, results. And then what do you do next? You basically open each one of those pages or the ones that look interesting to you. And then you draw your conclusions and you make a summary in your mind about what it is that you are searching for. What ChatGPT does is it eliminates all that extra legwork where you can type the question into this basically advanced search engine, it goes out to the internet, looks at web pages, looks at uh, research documents, looks at all kinds of different things, and then forms an opinion and writes the paragraph and gives you that answer faster. So it's basically a faster Google. Well, and and this is where GPT came from. It's generative pre-trained transformer which is, it, and, and this goes to what you were saying, it's generating something that was, we call it pre-trained, pre-trained, but it's just really pre-programmed, and it's transforming data sets into text that we, right. you know, that we can read and understand in whatever language we're using. Right. So GPT is, it, you know, they come up with all this stuff, you know. Yeah, it's very, very complicated yeah, sounding. I think, right? I think they do it so that they have a leg up on, on uh, us mere, we mere mortals, right? So, yes. But anyway, that's, you know, that's what people are talking about. And they're using chat GPT for a whole bunch of different things. Right. So so the, the advantage that chat GPT has is, is twofold. First, it, it understands how to read language and then write it back out. And then the second piece is it has what what Google and Bing has, which is this vast repository of data to draw upon. So when you combine the two, Google just had the data. It didn't have the way to write it down and, and deliver it in a contextual answer that people are looking for. You know, it, it's, it is pretty interesting to use. Um, I did an experiment the other day and I asked it a question and then I asked it, can you reread or rewrite the answer to me in French? And within, you know, one second, it generated the same output in a different language. So again, it's not it's not that it really understands French. It just has crawled all those different types of data sources and understands how language is organized in different languages, and can regenerate it out. Yeah, and you know, you and I have talked about this, but you know, when you when you plug it, it's dependent on the 
question that you plug in when you plug in a question a la what we would ask in a you know in a normal search engine you get very simple answers that are essentially instead of getting a list of links to websites it basically takes a composite of output from those websites and creates a paragraph that yeah. that explains it right exactly now you you you've talked about having ChatGPT write text you know write um, content write yep. chapters write books write speeches right yeah so I asked ChatGPT to write me a one paragraph basically short story uh, in the style of Tom Sawyer and I asked it to put it in the vocabulary of a fifth grade uh, student and it very quickly generated a, a well, one paragraph uh, basically answer that it made up now what's interesting is is that I didn't give it any other parameters it basically just went out and it looked up Tom Sawyer it, it understood the style of writing and then it generated some artificial text what you don't know though is you don't know where it pulled this content from which is a bit uh, troubling um, as of right now chat uh, GPT does not cite any of its sources okay so you know you so you've got you've got people using this you have students who are using this to write term papers you have people writing this using it to write books music is being written by um, by these these simple forms um, and even some some uh, pictures and, and art is being developed right right yeah the the artificial intelligence I've seen with art has been pretty amazing um, it, it basically, there's so much data out there, everyone has cell phones and they're posting pictures up everywhere, that the, the world is pretty much mapped out. So there are some applications now where you can upload a picture that you may have taken that might be less than perfect, and the AI engine will use its vast repository of data to correct the image, because it knows what a lot of pictures are. So if I take a picture of St. Patrick's Cathedral, it can recognize that and then correct some of the things. It can even remove some content of, so let's say, somebody walking in front. But here again, somebody had to program what were the most more desirable optics, right? Because it gets down to the pixel level and it just it changes pixels so that it's more desirable versus less desirable. And but if it's creating, you know, abstract art, maybe that's program something different. So these are the parameters you can put in. Right, so you can program in something explicit to say this is this is the definitive copy of it and yeah. you need to make the picture look like that. Or you can say I want you to randomize something, which a computer is quite good at doing. Uh, so randomizing something is then creating new artwork from something that exists. But again, it's not it's not figuring this out, it's just interpreting what was programmed into it. We've discussed the history of AI and in some ways how it's being used. Next, we're going to explore the very various business uses for AI and the risks around it. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. What does the future of work mean for your employees? How will your company navigate ESG? Will there be a global recession? At the Conference Board, our experts translate the latest research and economic analysis into insights and real-time problem-solving for your organization. Membership at the Conference Board provides your team with an assortment of knowledge from economics, marketing and communications, ESG, public policy, and human capital. As a member, you'll have access to our center experts, member-exclusive events, data and benchmarking tools, and peer sharing that will help you understand the present and shape the future. 
consider becoming a conference board member today by visiting www.conference-board.org. Welcome back to CEO Perspectives. I'm your host, Steve Odlin from the Conference Board, and I'm joined today by Rob Green, the Chief Information Officer from the Conference Board and a nascent expert, I guess, uh, Rob, in, in AI. All right, so look, we, we didn't talk about hardware. You know, it, it, what kind of hardware should businesses be thinking about? I mean, do they need Cray supercomputers in order to do this? Well, well, most most do not. I mean, right now, uh, your your phone and your desktop PC they run a basically a CPU, and that is used for basic tasks. These are the same types of processors that exist in vehicles and transportation systems. Um, for most companies right now, that is sufficient to run kind of the automation is really what we're pushing here with with AI in most companies. It, to go beyond that, Google has created new processors that are specifically designed to assist in AI, uh, the new Tensor processors, which they released. But for the most part, these will not be available to regular companies. Uh, companies will be using products that are being developed on standard CPUs and graphical processor units that are commonplace as of right now. Okay, so if you're a normal company using the, the search engines and all of that kind of stuff, you, you've got sufficient hardware you can do with the the servers and the and the um, the hardware that, that people normally use, but if you're doing you know advanced robotics, if you're doing um, facial recognition, if you're doing genetic work, that that does require you know some quantum computing. It does, and and you be you be basically working with companies like Google and Microsoft and and, and companies that are developing their own application specific processors to do these types of tasks. Where a CPU is a generic machine, you can it can handle a lot of different types of things. It's not an expert in, in any one of them. Whereas these other processors, which, uh, for example, a processor which is designed to control a robot for surgery, has optimized instructions on how to move an arm, how to move a robotic arm, and do those types of things. So yeah, there there are two very different pieces here, and I I, I would argue as as you said, 95% of the companies out there are going to be doing the general tasks. Okay, so let's go through some of the various functions in a company and and talk about how AI is being used. So HR, we've written at the conference board uh, papers for years on how AI is is beginning to be used in HR. Just describe some of those uh, you know functions. Sure, uh, AI is being used in HR for tasks such as candidate uh, screening, talent management, and employee engagement. Um, AI-powered chatbots are being used to answer employee questions. Uh, machine learning algorithms can analyze employee data to identify patterns and make predictions about workforce trends. There's also a lot of automation on the search boards, the search engines that are able to predict if somebody is looking for new employment or changing career, something along that. So these, these AI functions or bits of code are being used in to, to basically automate some of the things that would take a human being a long time to do. But they're repetitive tasks. So, so it's it, what I hear you saying is anything that is re, that is repetitive that a, that a that an employee would have to do over and over and over again is a candidate to be automated essentially. Absolutely. And that's you know that's the next phase in this whole digital transformation that we've been talking about for you know a couple decades now. Absolutely. Yeah. Another area is finance. What what do you what do you see uses? Where do you see uses there? Yeah, so finance is is really starting to step up the use of AI. Uh, it's 
it's being used now in um, tasks like fraud detection, risk management, and financial analysis. Um, you know, a computer is very good at, at taking large bulks of data and analyzing it for uh, for future investments, for future growth. And this is this is a kind of a, it's been in use for a long time with the markets, but it's becoming more commonplace in everyday companies now. So things like you know um, some accounting functions, payroll, um, bill paying, that was. That's been automated for a, a long time. But what you're talking about is analytical stuff. It's, it's where you have to sort through and come to some sort of decision uh, or conclusion beyond just you know, task automation. Right, exactly. Instead of having an analyst in finance you know, pan through reams of data and come up with a conclusion, a computer can use its algorithms and its artificial intelligence right, to come up with that answer not only faster, but potentially with a lot more accuracy. But here again, somebody programmed that. Somebody programmed okay, it. Okay, so it's not, the, the, the box is not thinking at there. Right, so it's, it's, a, it's a big distinction too, because the way that it's programmed will influence what it outputs. Exactly. Right. Manufacturing, what do you see there? Sure, man, well manufacturing has been used, uh, of course robotics was one of the first uses um, for manufacturing, and I'll go back to the auto the auto industry, they've been using it for a long time. The airline industry has been using it in flight computers uh, to basically fly and land planes. That technology has evolved immensely since then. Um, but they're, they're starting to use it for different things like predictive maintenance. So jet airlines, they'll, they'll use predictive analysis to figure out when to uh, overhaul the jet engines. So they're not wasting time, they're, they're doing it exactly when it needs to be done. Uh, they're using more sensors and machine learning algorithms to monitor equipment for performance and improve that performance. Uh, so it, it really helps to maximize their profits because they're, they're able to uh, basically narrow in when they need to change but something. But it's taking out waste. You know, you could, yep. it, it, that, so it's, that's another way to think about it. Deficiency. You know, it was interesting. I, um, I got a call from the, my car dealership the other day and they said, uh, uh, your car called us. And it and it and it wants you know whatever it was brake fluid or something and I said you know I really don't like this idea of my car calling somebody and and tattling, right? Yeah, your car is a, is basically a big spy on you at this point. Yeah, it's monitoring so many different data points, uh, which is very different, and that that's how fast this is evolving. It monitors where you are. It monitors how long it's been since you've changed your oil or if you need washer fluid, and some of these things can be very good. From a uh, auto manufacturer point of view, it's genius because it basically gets you to bring your vehicle back in for service and opens other opportunities for upselling and future product sales. Yeah, okay, supply chain's another area where we see a lot of use here. Right, so supply chain um, management for tasks such as demanding forecasting, inventory management is a big one, and logistics operations. Uh, Amazon uses logistics operations with AI quite extensively. Um, Machine learning algorithms can be used to predict demand for products and optimize inventory levels so there's not waste, there's not things sitting on the shelves that are expiring out. Uh, it's, and I think this is, this is a perfect example of AI being able to take a large chunk of data which would take people a long time to figure out over time and basically come to an answer a lot quicker. Yeah, uh, how about legal? Legal. Legal, is, legal, uh, legal has used AI in the past, but it's now being used for different types of things. Um, things like contract analysis. 
you can basically put a contract, and I would not recommend you to do this, and we'll get into that in a bit, but you can put a contract into uh, chat uh, GPT and it will analyze it and suggest if there are omissions or changes that it would do wow. or make. Um, so, th so things like wills and trusts and standard contracts, boilerplates, uh, home purchases, you know, any place where standard. you have just standard stuff, it's it's pretty good application. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've used uh, PC-based programs like this in the past and they were very generic. Now that AI is able to draw on the vast data warehouses of the world, it can make these contracts basically almost bulletproof. I would still recommend having legal counsel yeah. review it, um, but it is, it is growing. Um, it also can identify potential risks in contracts and uh, it, can, it can analyze large volumes of legal documents at the same time. So you can put your whole contract repository for your company onto one of these engines and it can look for holes and, and renewal dates and things like that. Yeah, and so things like tax planning, tax filing, all of those things are, are repetitive tax. How about places like marketing communications? What do you see? Sure, so marketing is probably one of the, the bigger uh, groups that are very excited about this. So we're talking about uh, tasks such as personalization and segmentation and optimization. Uh, some things as simple as returning emails from an inquiry that comes in uh, in, a, in a timely manner. But you, in the past, we've had automated responses to, let's say, sales calls, and they were very generic and said, thank you for contacting this company. Now, with the language processing that AI is offering, it can actually tailor the response back to the individual and really target what they're looking for. Uh, very quickly. And, and you're seeing it being used uh, for advertising, digital advertising, um, uh, and, and so forth. And they're, re they're actually even writing television ads uh, with it, which yeah. maybe, that'll, maybe that'll help. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, some of them <laughs> sales is another area because you're, you're doing screening for prospects and, and so forth, but it doesn't really replace the human interaction, does it? No, not, not yet. I mean, you still need that phone call and, and yeah. to reach out and touch somebody. Okay, IT is the you know the this is can we can we do away with the IT department? Not not yet, or else uh, I'll be out of a job. Um, so basically, what I what I am seeing though is programming. Programming is uh, really really taking off with these engines. Um, so you've got programs that write their own programs. Yeah. So and this is this is pretty easy to understand, right? A programming language is defined by a set of rules. Every command has a set of rules, and it's followed follows those rules every single time. So if I can put in a question to an artificial intelligence e, uh, uh, engine and have it write code, it can simply go to that code and say, okay, here's a command that does exactly what you're looking to do. It has gotten to the point where the efficiency is about 10 times of what a, prog a human programmer can do. It's just faster. But, but what I hear in every case here is that it's great for a start. You know, do the rough draft, do the, you know, the initial code, do haven't checked the legal, con but you still want to use human beings for that, for that oversight, for the editing, for, you know, to, to check this. You can't just, you can't just, you know, turn everything over to AI and then walk away, right? No, it's, it's very good. I, I've used it a number of times. It's very good for uh, giving you an outline when you need a starting point. But if you are um, a professional and you're trying to get some help with something, um, the output that it generates is very generic, uh, unless you are very skillful in crafting the question. It will take you almost as much time to edit the output. 
So where this is helpful is, you know, college kids, they're trying to do research on a paper. They have no idea about what the content is. These engines are great for that. Yeah, but it's something a, it's very specific. Teach, but that. don't use it to write your term paper. Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, it's to help. All right, so what are the watchouts here? We've got, uh, you know, certainly intellectual property issues, security issues, um, you know, just run through those. Right, so intellectual property, this this is a big one. Um, so right now, the the terms of service, if you use uh, an application like chat, GT, GPT, is, is basically that they can take that information that you typed into the, to the bot and they can keep it and use it for future um, uh, learning and give it out to other people. So wait people. a minute, you're, you're saying that if I use Bing or ChatGPT, you know, one of these, I'm agreeing de facto to give them whatever, whatever intellectual property I'm using. Absolutely, and and this wow. is this is a this is a big legal hole. And the problem is, once it goes out there, you have no control over it. You don't even know where it goes, because one engine could then crawl the other engine and duplicate it, and and it keeps going out on yeah, the internet. Yeah, but you know, so what happens if the stuff is wrong? Exactly, and it can be, um, and that's that's why you always need. To check it. To check everything, right? Because it can be wrong, and it has been proven to be wrong. Security is another thing, too. These things crawl behind firewalls and, you know, kind of get into companies and, you know, get into, you know, private stuff, customer data, right. employee data. Right. So there's a couple angles here. One is uh, these systems are being used now to launch hacking attacks. That's that's what we're starting to see there. So you're, you're getting artificial artificial intelligence generated. We yeah, that's not good. Right, and and the and the problem with these is that they are so good. But when you used to get spam in, you could always recognize well the, the spelling might be off, the grammar might be off. Not with AI, it's written pretty perfectly, so it's very hard to catch spam coming into your organization. So wow, that's this, this makes you want to go back to a pencil and a pad <laughs> and an abacus. Exactly. Uh, the second piece is that if you're looking at it from a point of view of your company data, if you put any of your data up on one of these or even a, a private AI engine and you are breached, they have access to all of your intellectual property. Wow. So you have to, it, it's not really changing the game. You still need firewalls and the usual security and threat detection. Well, it sounds in your like organization. you need more now. Right, you're going to need more and more of it. You almost need AI to look at the AI. <laughs> Yikes. Right. All right, so that that leads us to you know to the to the final point, which is companies need to establish principles and and uh, and bury boundaries, you know, for use of AI. Right, companies should prioritize building trust with their stakeholders by ensuring that AI is used in a way that aligns with their values and expectations. This may involve being transparent about how AI is being used, ensuring that AI systems are fair and unbiased, and addressing concerns around privacy and security. Um, for privacy and security, companies need to protect the privacy and security of the data that is used to train these AI algorithms uh, and the results that are generated by these AI systems. Uh, this may involve implementing very robust security measures such as encryption, access control, and ensuring the data is only used for its intended purpose. So you got you to focus on building trust, privacy, security, transparency, and then also inclusivity. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Rob Green, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Steve. It's a pleasure being here. And thanks to all of you for listening in to CEO Perspectives. Every week I'll be joined by a prominent thought leader to provide insights 
on the issues of our time, at least until I'm replaced by AI and all of our guests are replaced by AI, it will be me and it will be another human being. We'll cover the leading topics in geopolitics, economics, public policy, and more. Please share CEO perspectives with your colleagues. Put us on the internet, share it with your AI friends. I'm Steve Odlin, and this series has been brought to you by the Conference Board. You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.